0: Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations. This is the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Now, this episode is all about the admissions process, so it's especially important if you're thinking about which school is going to be right for your child in the near future. Chris Ramsey is the headmaster and he's with us today for a very frank and honest conversation. Importantly, though, this isn't an advert for why WitGift is right for your child. Instead, Chris talks about what parents should be thinking about when considering all schools. We talk about to what extent you should involve your child in that decision-making process, whether single-sex education is right for all families, whether it's important to live close to school, then, interestingly, what it feels like to be a WitGift student. That's coming up in this episode, so come with me as we step into the Headmaster's office and speak to Chris Ramsey. Chris, thank you for being here. It's uh, great to have you back on the podcast again. 2023 is now well and truly underway, but tell us some of the things that are happening at school right now.
1: Well, it is, you're right, It's 2023 is well underway and You know, I I, I wrote in a blog uh, just uh, the other week that, you know, some people find January a fairly grim time. It's dark, it's cold, it's wet and all those things. Uh, It's actually a really busy time in schools like Whitgift. We've got the admissions process, which is in full swing. We start getting uh, university... Uh, decisions back oxbridge and international and so on and so forth uh, and we've had some great events uh, we've had some fantastic indoor hockey we've had uh, uh, it's been an exciting first few weeks of term and and very very busy
0: now you mentioned the admissions process and you know you're absolutely right you know this time of year people are often looking for you know which school is going to be right for their child and this can be a slightly anxious time as well, as as prospective parents look around different schools and try and make that right choice. How do they go about? Or you know, what 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 advice would you have for someone that's in that situation right now and they're looking at different schools and they're they're thinking what's going to be right for their child?
1: Well, it's a great question, and and obviously we are right in the thick of that. And the families who come to us, we we interview a lot of our candidates and then we have conversations with uh, parents Uh, sometimes parents come in and 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 they think that we're going to interview them as if we're sort of selecting them as parents and we always say no the 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 discussion with parents is all about making sure that you've got the information you need uh to 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 see whether the, the fit is right and i i guess you know there are some obvious things firstly i'd say that that the uh, the child, the boy or girl, needs to be involved. I mean, that, that may sound obvious, but, you know, if if uh, if they're going to be getting up early on a, on a dark winter's morning in a couple of years' time, it, it helps enormously if, if they're going to the school that they were part of choosing. So that's an obvious thing. And I, I guess another obvious thing is talking to parents who've got children at, at the school. So certainly at my school, we would always say, we'd put you in touch with uh, some parents who can have a completely off-the-record conversation with you, you know, just to see how how the experience has been uh, for them. You know, schools like like mine are, most independent schools, are really good at showing the best and talking about things that we do that we're proud of. But, you know, things will go wrong, so it's, it's, good to talk to parents, current parents about, you know, how the school uh, reacts in those uh, in those situations. And I guess two other things that I would say in terms of, of choosing the right school. If you're, as a parent, applying to a selective school, academically selective school, and uh, in South London we have selective state schools and, and obviously selective independent schools, um, I wouldn't get too hung up on the league tables uh, and, and results if, if your if son or daughter is going to a selective school, they will almost certainly do very well. And the other pupils will, will will be doing well in terms of exam results. I would ask the school about its educational philosophy. What's it trying to do in terms of the academic education? And and hopefully you won't get, just get the answer. We're trying to get good exam results. The school should have some kind of philosophy. And I suppose uh, the, the other side of the coin, importantly, is... All independent schools certainly will have lots of opportunities outside the classroom, clubs and societies and, and so on and so forth. But I, I would want to dig under, under the skin of that and, and, and talk about what or ask about what about participation? How many pupils do these things? And, and what about the ones who aren't brilliant at cricket or uh, hockey or whatever? What chances do they get? So there's some there's some questions you can ask to get under the skin of how do these things play out in, in practice.
0: It's good that you mentioned that there are some things that are just as important or more important than league tables. But does, does that mean at the same time then that league tables don't matter so much these days?
1: Well... I think they've always mattered as a kind of almost a baseline in terms of uh, is the school that you're looking at uh, what kind of a people what kind of pupils does it have? Uh, and the uh, the important thing to take alongside that is when you see, a school towards the top of league tables where they might be for example getting in you know 90 plus percent a star to to be at, at a level uh, or that kind of, uh, of 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 aggregate result at gcse it's important to remember that those are aggregated I and mean, what really matters is the results that your own child is going to get and and so what matters is is that that the, the the school is the right the right one for you so that your child can reach their potential um and of course that can take different forms as well as that that straightforward passing exams I, I suppose the the other point here is is that academic success is is still the most important thing we come to school for Learn, learning and teaching is what we do most of the time in schools um and that, that's why i still do some teaching and uh, alongside the league tables, which, you know, they, they tell you something about a school. As I say, it, it's good to ask and find out about what kind of learning are the, are, are, are the boys, boys in our, our case, boys boys or girls, are they learning independently? Are they enjoying their learning? Are they getting good skills? You know, what what's the kind of uh, sort of academic atmosphere in the school? So, yes, they matter to an extent, but I, I would never certainly in terms of choosing a school or judging a school, just use league tables. Mm.
0: And you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that absolutely it's good to involve the child as well. How should a parent handle things maybe if a child is saying, I really want to go to that school, and actually the parent feels that that's not the best school, but maybe the child is saying that because their best friend is going to that school?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I'm going to slightly duck it because it kind of depends on the situation. And, And I think, you know, we've certainly had situations here where, where where that's that's happened and, and you know, a, a, a boy has come here and the parents maybe weren't sure. Uh, and I, I think probably I would say if your child has been offered a place at a school that they really want to go to and they've got good reasons for, I probably would go with that um, because that is that that's the child if you like investing in in that decision themselves um obviously if it's if it's a really you know if, it, if it's wildly unsuitable in parents views talk, talk to the school about it but i think probably all other things considered i i would i would respect the child's choice if it's a sensible one
0: and i guess more so as the child gets older i mean if someone was looking for a school Maybe just for sixth form for their child. Then obviously that's well. Well, I'm going to presume that that you that you would feel that they would have more of a say in that situation.
1: Oh, oh, definitely. And and I can speak. You know, for example, my youngest child uh, changed schools after GCSE. She was very, very keen to go to to a different school. And, you know, she did a lot of the research herself. Uh, we were, my wife and I were very, very happy that she moved schools. We, we would have been happy for her to stay at, at, at her, her, her school. Um, but I think that the fact that in her case and in, in lots of cases, that was very much something driven by her. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's where you, you probably all other things being equal do, do respect the child's choice.
0: So how important is it then that people live close to where the school is? I mean, is, is distance a, a, a major concern or is it just one of those things that's a, that's a nice thing to have if people do live closer to school?
1: Interesting. When I, when I moved to London, uh, and as I think I've, we, we've discussed before, I, I used to work in the northwest. When I moved to South London, somebody said to me, "Everything is half an hour away. Doesn't matter how close or far away you are. Everything is half an hour from everything else." Uh, it's slightly, slightly, kind of tongue in cheek. But you know, the the fact is, in certainly in our area, in in in, in urban South London, most things are that kind of distance away you, you can live quite close to a school geographically and still take 20-25 minutes to get here um, and you can live what looks like a long way away and get here in sort of 35-40 minutes so I, I would say look uh, more than an hour away you've got to have a really good reason for making that kind of, of, of daily commute we, we do have boys here who travel for over an hour but I would say you, you should think quite carefully about that but 30 40 minutes is is a very very common um, commute for our boys and I know that's true of other uh, similar schools um, what I what i like and I think is is right is you know some people and this is particularly true in the independent sector but it's also true in the state sector will will opt to drive past what looks like a great school and go to another one we, we've we've got boys here who I happen to know they they almost pass other fantastic schools because they've made uh, that particular decision to, to come to us and i'm sure that i'm sure the reverse is also true i'm sure there are there are boys who drive past Whitgift to go to another school because it's right for them and i think that's back to finding the right environment where your own child is going to uh feel they that they, they've they've got the right opportunities that they've got the right place to thrive and uh you know that that the place that they've chosen is, is right for those reasons. I suppose the, the thing that we're fortunate about here at Whitgift uh, is that we have boarding. And we uh, have full boarding, weekly boarding, and also uh, flexi-boarding, which is a kind of newish concept in, in in schools I know. But we've certainly got boys who maybe live, maybe sort of 50 minutes away, but if they're highly involved in an activity that's going to make it a real stretch for them to commute. They can board for a few days. We've got a boy in the lower sixth who's directing a, a, a junior play. Uh, I think he's going to board for 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 the, for the time that the play is on to just relieve some of that pressure. So that's that perhaps helps with the commute time.
0: And just for the sake of anyone listening who doesn't really understand much about how the boarding system works at Whitgift, and, and without asking you for precise numbers, what would you say roughly the split is between pupils who are day pupils and pupils who have sort of full boarders or weekly boarders any idea on that
1: yeah sure i mean boarding is is very much a minority here we've we've basically got 100 boarders approximately we've got space for about 115 but normally we have we have 100 and we we can cope with a dozen or so flexi boarders on top of that at any one time and of the 100 boarders i would say probably about a quarter are weekly boarders so that's the kind of numbers it's 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 minority but it's it's a it's a really uh it's a a super community uh of those kinds of numbers
0: so boarding's an option but right now most of the boys that come into school every day they they come in from their own homes and they do that morning commute so of those that do that morning commute any idea roughly how many tend to walk in versus cycling versus driving in versus taking public transport
1: I would have said, if you'd asked me that question a year ago, I would have said the train is the biggest sort of vehicle uh, and that would probably be, have been about a third of our boys by train, about a maybe just under a third, around right about that kind of number by bus, school buses mainly, uh, and the rest uh, either car or walking. Uh, it's moved more towards buses uh, in the last few months. That may have something to do with, with the sort of difficulties on the train network, but we've got a great school bus network that will uh, go in, well, pretty much uh, every direction. And we certainly find that uh, a lot of our parents of uh, 11 plus boys, so year seven entrance, if they live on or near a school bus route, they often opt for that at least for the first year because then they know that their son uh, will get to school with, with other people on time and will leave with other people. And there's a kind of safety aspect there. And I think that's a really good idea.
0: Chris, tell me a little bit about single-sex education. Clearly this is good for some people, less good for other people, but what are your general thoughts on this?
1: I think I spoke in a previous podcast about this and, and I always start off when people ask about single sex, single sex education by saying I'm I'm not dogmatic about this. I mean, I used to run a co-educational school. There are fantastic co-educational schools. There are single sex schools that aren't that great. I mean, it's not being single sex or coeducational that makes a school successful. That said, I mean, I do really believe uh really passionately, that there should be a place within the education sector for single-sex education for those who uh, who think it's a good choice. Why might they think that? Well, in terms of boys, uh, and I think the, the answers are different for boys and girls, but if I, if I talk about boys, I would say that there are some classic reasons why people who believe in single sex education stick up for single sex edu- education and, and and some of them are that you know boys do in general often learn in a slightly different way than girls they that they're, they're, they're more likely to be instinctive uh, they're more likely to answer questions uh, quickly and want to discuss things and they're less likely to be sort of reflective and and, and and so on and so forth. And that being the case, a school where you can gear the, the teaching style um, has obviously got some advantages. I've would always said the biggest advantage of a single sex school is that actually it allows the boys not to be stereotyped. And I find that often in, in, in uh, co-educational schools, they'll offer uh, as as most of us do, a range of activities and 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 curriculum options, but quite often in a in a co-educational school, the boys will gravitate almost subconsciously towards the open inverted commas boyish closing inverted commas subjects and options. So you'll find the boys doing DT and physics and CCF. Uh, and the girls will gravitate more towards dance and musical theatre and so on and so forth whereas in a a single sex school we have the same range of activities but it's completely natural for boys to do we have a musical theatre club we have a dance club and because it's a boys only school there's no kind of there's no sense in that being something that is for the girls one of the best clubs that we've uh, uh, found thriving in the last couple of years is yarn club which is, is literally it's knitting and, and crochet and, and you know creating things uh, from from materials and if, if you had that club in a co-educational school I absolutely guarantee you it would be all the girls who would go to it uh, and the boys even if they thought it was quite a fun thing to go to they wouldn't do that so I think that's one huge advantage of a, of a single-sex school, um, and and the only other thing I would say, and I think I probably said this last time we spoke, is one of the one of the uh, responsibilities we have. Uh, in running a, a single-sex school is to make sure the boys do get enough exposure to uh, young women growing up and, you know, how to interact with them and and what different perspectives they have. So we, we work quite closely with uh, a couple of partner schools to make sure that, you know, boys do have enough uh, opportunities to, to work alongside girls as well.
0: So it's not like boys arrive at university and all of a sudden they have to interact with girls and they don't, don't know how to do that because it's actually all been uh, arranged as part of... Their, their education their wider education
1: at school that's that's certainly the aim and obviously it's not every day and therefore we need when we do do things like you know we have our academic enrichment sessions uh, often with with one of the local girls schools uh and certainly in the sixth form we do a lot of sort of seminar work with uh, with some partner schools uh in a sense we've got to make sure those those sessions really count and, and, and are really effective but yeah it's 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 certainly not the case that, that, that the boys from Whitgift get to university and have no idea, you know, h- how to interact with, with girls or with young women. Chris, it's
0: great to understand all of this and all of the mechanics, really, of how life at Whitgift works. But tricky question, but how would it feel to be a student?
1: Ooh, that is, that is a tricky question. I would say, in general, it feels uh, exciting, invigorating. It's quite... It's a school where we're quite busy uh and i always say to parents we like boys who are going to have a go at things Um, one of the challenges in terms of looking at what you might call the student experience is being busy and active and having lots to do and and lots to throw yourself into is great we do need to find enough time for the boys to be reflective too so we've worked quite hard uh in creating tutor time so our, our our tutor groups are relatively small and the boys see their tutors twice a day and we've introduced this year um, a whole afternoon for each year group where uh, the tutors are able to to spend time with their tutor groups and one-to-one with students. And one of the great temptations when you're you're running a school is to fill time with stuff. Uh, And we got a lot of feedback from tutors saying what we'd like is just some time with our tutor groups to get to know them, to do, to to, to talk about stuff, to maybe uh, to, to, to fill the time with what we want rather than if you like uh, content. So that that's that's important. Um, I would say that uh, one of the things that is. Part of the experience here is working across year groups. So I would hope that the students here would say we don't just always spend time with with other boys of our own age. We, you know, we sometimes work with older students uh, in I don't know house drama and and house music and so on and so forth. And I hope they would also say there were memorable moments. Uh, and you know, school is by definition quite a routine experience. Uh, you know, schools have. You know, lessons and timetables and calendars, and we would hope that there were some occasions during each term where something something slightly different, something memorable. Whether it's a trip, whether it's we have Founders' Day this term, for example, um, we work quite hard at finding ways of, of kind of celebrating in different ways at the end of the year. So I would hope that there would be, you know, a handful of of, of events. When they come to the end of their time at Whitgift that they say, "I really, I'm going to remember that for a long time." So, yeah, busy, uh, exciting, um, and hopefully memorable.
0: Well, those memories are things which will carry them through for their well, for their, all of their lives, I imagine as well. Chris, how long have you been at Whitgift for now?
1: This is Simon, unbelievably, my sixth year.
0: Gosh, wow! Tell me about some of your personal highlights over that time, if you can think of any on the spot.
1: Oh, golly. Being in my sixth year, we've reached the stage now where some of the boys who I interviewed myself or we interviewed certainly, if they arrived at 13 plus, and we have we have a, uh, an intake at 13 plus as well as 11 plus, are now in the sixth form, uh, and so that that's for, for a head that that cuts two ways. You can you can say I can now really see what the sort of the, the, the students whilst I've been head how they have developed uh, uh you also can't can't blame anybody else I suppose at that stage um but to, uh, to to be serious I mean there are certainly um some boys in the upper sixth now whom I remember as third form boys second form third form boys who I think uh, I'm in, incredibly proud of, and and I suppose one of the things that I'm proudest of in terms of the uh, the current upper sixth is the way in which they they want to give back to the community. They they have a genuine, if you like, social conscience, and I know that sounds a bit pious, but but I think it's true, and and I think that's something that we've worked hard on, and and, and that's certainly a, a highlight for me. I tell you, an, another highlight and another thing, just since you've asked me the question, that I would reflect. On is Whitgift is a school with with a strong reputation for sport, Uh, and I I think that sport as a way of educating is amazing. And um, we had, as I think I mentioned at the beginning, the finals of the uh, national indoor schools indoor hockey competition here last week, Uh, and that kind of sense of a community. Of boys, a small community in terms of a hockey community, but a small community of boys really coming together for a couple of days uh, and learning from how the thing goes, being brilliantly well coached, not coached to win the competition, but coached to do their best best and to do their best as a team is incredibly powerful uh so that that is a very recent moment Uh, i have to say that that at the end of the competition which which the under 18 team won in a very exciting final i was standing next to a a mother and i better not name her on air but i was standing next to a mother who was so excited she turned around and hugged me Uh, and she as soon as she'd done it she said oh am i allowed to hug the headmaster and i said well don't don't publicize it but um yeah, you are on this occasion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. And and equally, you mentioned about some of those 13 plus boys that joined and are now in the upper sixth. At the same time, there were some boys, I imagine, who were in the upper sixth or lower sixth even, who now have gone off to university, left university, and they're probably on their first graduate placement job in, the, in starting their careers off.
1: Absolutely. And I know that you've talked to at least one of them in terms of uh, what they've in some cases, being able to come back and bring bring back to us as a school in terms of sort of mentoring and so on and so forth, and that's also, you know, people like Olawani. Uh, that's also a great um, that's a that's a great thing to do. And 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 you know, clearly not every single Oldwick Giftyan can can come back and help us, but when people do, um, that's uh, that that's really great. And we've been doing some work uh, in school tidying up. And clarifying things like our, our social media policy. And one of the things that we do um, encourage boys uh, and staff to do is is to connect with each other on, on either Whitgift Connect or LinkedIn because they're, they're professional networks. Uh, and I always like it when I see on LinkedIn that a former pupil is uh, is, is 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 doing some, something exciting, and it's not from Whitgift, but from my previous school. And I was actually earlier today uh, seeing uh, one of the boys. It was happened to be a boy from my previous school whom I taught. Uh, actually taught him GCSE English, uh, and he's now a, he's now a corporate lawyer. And you kind of think, oh, that's great. So uh so yeah it's it's that, that's what keeps us in teaching because it's a great privilege to be a part of of young people making a success of themselves.
0: It's great that you mentioned Oluani just then. I think that was season two, episode three, back in October last year. Great episode for anyone listening who wants to go back and uh, find out what olawani has been up to. Chris, I'm keeping an eye on time. We need to bring this to a close right now. If anyone's got any questions regarding the whole admissions procedure, who's the best person for them to get in touch with and how should they do that?
1: Well, the admissions department, and I think the email address is admissions at wickgift.com co.uk but it's certainly uh, on our website or, or just phone and ask for admissions we've got a fantastic team uh, of people there who are always happy to take questions and queries and they're very busy this time of year but they really want to talk to parents who have uh, queries and again you know go, going back to where we start for any prospective parents who might be listening don't think that any question is is too silly or shouldn't be asked Very, very occasionally we get parents who, a couple of years in, who say, oh, I I wasn't, I wish I'd asked about this before we came. And and we always say, ask any question you you like and we'll give you the answer because we want you to be really well informed before you make a, a choice.
0: Fantastic. Well, good advice there. Thank you for that, Chris. And thank you for your time today. It's been really good talking to you.
1: Great to speak to you too, Simon. Thank you very much.
0: So that was Chris Ramsey, headmaster of school, talking about all things regarding choosing the right school for your child. Like he says, do get in touch with the admissions team if you have any questions. But in the meantime, thank you for your time, Chris. Really appreciate you being here. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.